Hey, Online Business Edge podcast listeners, Jared here. This week's episode was recorded live in front of an audience at Kajabi Hero Live in Austin, Texas. So there's going to be a little more background noise than you're used to in a typical podcast. But since many of you couldn't be there in person, we wanted to ensure that you got a taste of some of the amazing content shared during the event. With that, let's get to our conversation with Abu Fofana, creator, CEO, podcaster, mentor, and entrepreneur. Here at Kajabi, we're known for one thing, helping everyday people like you build successful businesses online. With our simple all-in-one platform, we've paved the way for over 100,000 people to create 300,000 products and collectively earn over $3.9 billion in revenue. And we've created the Online Business Edge podcast to inspire, educate, and empower you to do the same. So unlike other podcasts that highlight the glory stories of today's most successful entrepreneurs, we're bringing you the real stories from real people who have created real success to give you the online business edge you need to succeed in today's digital marketplace. So if you're someone who's looking to start an online business, allow us to be the first to welcome you home to the Kajabi family. And welcome to the Online Business Edge podcast. My name is Jared, Vice President of Customer Experience at Kajabi. And today I am joined by my friend Abu Fofana here at Kajabi Hero Live. So if you are listening uh, to the stream through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you're hearing a lot of additional background noise. That is the live crowd that is surrounding us. Uh, so thank you, Abu, for joining us. Uh, you are the first guest. Um, give us your 15-second elevator pitch on who you are and what you do. Yeah. So one thing, you know, it's, it's so live. So you guys can hear the background. Like it's so many people uh, here. So I'm super excited, but my name is Abu Fofana and I focus on, um, growth, uh, using paid media. So how do you grow on social media, uh, using paid ads? And I think for me, that's been the biggest, uh, thing uh, people see me as because a lot of us, a lot of times we have great ideas. Uh, we start getting traction, but it's hard to scale those ideas. And so I'm the guy that most people come to to, you know, uh, get their products or their services um, or their digital products across the across the world, essentially. I love it. I love it. And that is such a crucial portion to starting up any type of business. Yep. Like getting found. And so um, let's just talk about you, though. Uh, yeah. How did you get into the space? What did you do before you were a specialist in social media and ad? Yeah, so I I have a weird background because um, when I was in high school and college, I used to pride myself on teaching myself new things. So one summer I had taught myself Facebook ads and Morse code. I never <laughs> used the Morse code, <laughs> but I didn't know how it would come back around years later and apply, you know, when I was starting my businesses, you know, I just was learning things at that time, you know? Um, and so for me, when I had ideas, when I, whether I was in high school or whether I was in college, my first business I started was a clothing business. And I was trying to figure out because I, I went to a campus that was in the middle of nowhere. I was trying to figure out, well, how do I sell to people that don't go to this school and I'm four hour drive from the, the, the nearest city? And so I was like, wait a second, I learned this skill called Facebook ads. And so I started running ads outside of my campus 
And by the time I was about 19 years old, I was making about, you know, anywhere from six to 30,000 a month as a 19 year old college student. That's a and lot so, for a college student. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't the typical college student, but, but I say that to say that I was doing this in between my classes. And so the other thing, I was taking about 30 to 35 credits a semester, right? So in between classes, I would like open up my laptop, have these ideas, start running ads, ads around it. Um, but one of the great and early lessons I learned before I, you know, really started to scale my businesses was getting feedback. And so when I had these ideas and I was in the business school, I knew what time students would study. I knew they'd be at the cafeteria during lunchtime or at dinner time. So I would go around and survey them on, hey, do you like this design over this design? You know, customer feedback. And when people are building something with you, there's a different sense of pride when you release that product or you launch that that that, that service. So I think that, you know, if anyone listening in, you know, you want to build in public, essentially, right? You want to build with your customers and and have them a part of your your journey. I love that. That is that is so close to my heart too. As uh, you know, the leader of customer experience at Kajabi, it is so incredibly important to us to listen to our customers, and it's crucial for the growth and success of any business. Absolutely. Um. So, uh, tell us, like, when did that? You started out essentially doing this for yourself. Yes. <laughs> uh, how did that transition into something that you were doing? I guess or helping others with. Yeah. So I so I started out in entrepreneurship. Most people start out in corporate and then they go to entrepreneurship. I started out in entrepreneurship and I was discouraged by a lot of the people who wanted the the safest route for me. And so I went into corporate and I was sitting in corporate and I was like, wait a second, like I was learning everything that I could, but I knew that wasn't where I, I needed to be. So I think for me, what I decided to do was, you know what? I have this skill set. Why don't I start an agency? And so I would talk to a lot of my friends, uh, small entrepreneurs. I would go to the local WeWorks and I saw that they all struggled in the same area when it comes to marketing and finding their customers online. And, and I said, Hey, I'll, I'll do a case study. You don't have to pay me anything, but I'm going to help you out. But if I help you out and there's, we have success, allow me to publicize this as a, as a public case study where people could come in and see it. And so one of the brands I helped early on was a beauty brand, uh, e-commerce, who they were making about 500 a month and I helped them make uh, to 5,000 a month and then 50,000 a month. Uh, there was another brand who they, uh, she was selling digital products, almost like a, a university style. And so she had did her first year in business was with the year prior, about $8,000. And then after kind of helping her out and scale, she went to half a million in the second year. So I thought, and, and, and they would tell me, they're like, no, Abu, you, you, you're really good at this. And with me, I would like, no, I'm sure everyone's doing this. And so I started getting more and more clients through referrals, word, word of mouth. And so for me, the, the reason why I started helping people, because I saw that there was this big gap in the space, in the industry. And I took a very unconventional approach. I wasn't an agency style, um, but it was just me really powering and powering these businesses on the back end. And so that's when I started helping people. That was phase one was agency. But then I ran into a problem, right? The problem I ran into is that as an agency owner providing services, you can't scale that quickly. You can't have the impact that you want to have. And so that's when I then transitioned and said, well, what is the thing that I could create that I could have more impact 
with what I'm doing. And then I say, okay, there's these digital products, there's these courses and okay, so I could like create a course and I could host it on this platform called Kajabi and people will come and they'll download it and, and pay me for it. And there's no cap in how many people could go and take the course. And so that's when the light bulb went off for me. And I said, wait, here's an opportunity to help and serve way more people utilizing this platform. Very cool. Well, I've got a couple questions. I, want to, I actually want to go back a little yeah. bit. I have to ask, as a college student, making you know between six and thirty thousand dollars every month, yeah. what what on earth went through your mind that inspired you to go to a corporate job? I, I just I have to know that for my own personal like curiosity yeah. sake. It's funny because at that time, you know, social media was starting to become like more prevalent. Um, but at that time, my professors they had asked me a question. They was like you know, do you think you could do this for 10 years, 15 years? And they were trying to convince me that social media was a fad. They were trying to tell me that it wouldn't be around. And so that, so me hearing that, and they're sort of discouraging me and they're supposed to be wiser, right? They're supposed to be all knowing. And so I'm like, oh yeah, maybe it is a fad. Maybe what I'm doing is just like a luck, you know? And so for me, that was very, looking back, like very discouraging. And so I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Let me go to the career fair. Let me go get, you know, a job at Big Four Consulting Company and, you know, go the conventional path. And so that was what was discouraging because hearing people that were, that had more experience, people that I looked up to saying these things, you know, that social media wouldn't be around. So that's why I sort of like panicked and went the conventional route. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. That that makes sense. Uh, I went through a similar journey. Uh, started very young mm. in my entrepreneurial journey. And then I got married young. Mm. And so I thought, oh, I got to go get a job. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I, I entirely relate to what you're saying there. Um, so tell us uh, a little bit more about once you started actually uh, selling the service uh, give us a little bit of an idea of like the timeline first of all um like how long did it take for you to go from a free like you're kind of you know slinging the service out there to actually like making some money and then next uh, after that let's talk about how you start actually got people into your course offer i imagine it probably has something to do with your (laughs) special skill set yeah so i I think my first step in starting the agency really helped because it gave me case studies. It gave me the first few I did were kind of free. And those case studies then allowed me to start charging people. When I had my agency, I would charge. I think I started off at $2,000 a month retainer for a three month commitment. And then I quickly saw that I was exceeding that. And so I said, you know what, a $5,000, you know, with a 5k retainer, then I went to 10k and people kept coming. And so when I decided to transition from that agency model, because at a certain point I had me and 36 clients, I was like, you know what? I am working a hundred hours a week. It feels like as I'm back on working in corporate. So I said, you know what? There's digital products. When I approached digital products, I kind of didn't know. I mean, from helping other people, I knew like what to expect, but I hadn't launched one myself. So slowly I launched one in the background. I didn't do any promotions or anything, but I had launched my first digital product and it was called the Ad Prep Academy. And the Ad Prep Academy was everything that I had learned about ads over the last 10 years. So I launched this product and I started by charging $10 a month monthly subscription. And I was like, oh, people are going to be running. They're going to be, they're going to pay me for this. It's only $10 a month. So I launched that in about September. And when I launched it, 
I had two people buy and I was getting feedback from my audience. And the biggest feedback I was getting was that it was too expensive. (laughs) And the the reason I say that is because there's a bigger point here. Like no matter what you charge, someone's always going to say that it's expensive. Here was everything I learned in 10 years and I'm selling it for $10 a month. And people were telling me that that was too much for it. And so that first launch failed. I was like, okay, I need to figure out a way. And it didn't just fail because of pricing. A lot of it too was messaging. The way I messaged it. I said, hey, come learn how to analyze your data. And that's not sexy to entrepreneurs, the business owners. Data, like most creatives run away from the numbers, run away from the analytics of growing their business. And so I said, okay, let me relaunch this. So I was sitting in a dining room with my mentors at that time. And Again, I was supposed to be on a different trajectory. At that time, when I was sitting at their dining room, I was studying to go to business school, go get, go get my MBA. And I was like, you know what? Let me, there was just something in the back of my mind. I said, let me just relaunch this. And I'm just going to change up the messaging and I'm going to change up the price because I had heard people pay for what they value. And so I said, okay, I'm going to change up the price and I'm going to talk about promoting your business. Instead of analyzing the data, I'm going to talk about promoting your business. And instead of charging $10 a month, I'm going to start it at $1,500. And so I launched this. And the way I attracted people was I showed the case studies that I worked on. And it was application-based. I said, hey, Instagram followers, I'm going to take on a cohort. And I'm going to teach you everything I know about ads. It's going to be a live training. And so if you want to enroll, here is my PayPal link. Pay me $1,500. And I'll tell you when the start date is, right? I didn't, I didn't have really anything created at this point. <laughs> I made 18,000 from that launch. And then wow. I reached out to everyone. I said, Hey, you know, just kidding. We're going to start in three weeks because I, I had to get everything prepared. Yeah. And so that was my first launch was 18 K. And then I did another launch and I made like 14 K. So I made like about over 30 K that first month of January launching this new product. And I remember sitting down with my accountant. And she was like, okay, how much do you think you could make from this? And I said, you know, 30K at the rate that we're going, maybe 200K for the year, right? And then we did a million dollars. And so, and so, and then the price kept increasing. So I say all that to say is that there's a few things. One, charge based on the value that people will receive from that product or service. Two, just because you launched something and it didn't work out the way you thought it would, it doesn't mean that it's a failure. It may just be, it just may mean you may need to reposition it differently. You may need to repackage it differently as well. And then the third thing too is just like, it's okay to, um, launch whether it's application style. It's okay to launch whether you're doing via webinar. It's okay to launch whether you are running ads or you're doing organic strategies. Find what your strengths are when you are first launching your business and, and, and lean into that. Yeah. Yes. Well, I've got to go back and really quickly to the, the pricing conversation. You, <laughs> you started out at $10 a month. And the first thing that came to mind to me, and I think you kind of touched on this, is the reality of that is, is that course had the potential to and had. It had proven to make people yes. half a million dollars, yes. I think you said earlier. Yes. Uh, so charging by value is such a such an interesting portion of that journey. I know I've been there myself. Like the first website I ever built for someone, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, free. And then it was like, I, I remember like sweating when I asked someone for 500 bucks 
Um, and eventually that goes on up the chain. Um, but I do want to know, we, we've kind of touched on, you mentioned going to your audience. Uh, you got to know, how did you build that? Did you build intentionally for this business? Did you have an existing audience? <laughs> how did you attract that crowd in the first place? Yeah, I, I definitely didn't build intentionally. Uh, you know, in the beginning, I was just putting whatever I liked on social media. I was just posting whatever I liked. I started looking at, well, what are people engaging with me for? And I, and I realized sometimes when I talked about the behind the scenes of building my business or having these ideas that I was pursuing, and even though they didn't work out, people were still so engaged at the process of me kind of figuring it out on my own. And so I think that I started realizing, okay, people started being attracted with the messaging and the content that I was putting out. So the, I like to call these things like, um, like honey posts because they're sticky. So look at the content that you've already created, create content that you think people might like and see what sticks. And so for me, when I started identifying that, I said, you know what, let me do more of this. And I slowly started building an audience towards that. But in the beginning, the audience was very, was everywhere. Or, you know, it was just, you know, people were following me for multiple uh, reasons. And then slowly but surely, I stuck with that page, but I started curating it a lot better. I archived old posts, deleted old posts, and I started curating it a lot better. So uh, that's essentially what I did to start drawing in some of the people that would eventually buy later on because they were part of my journey. They felt like, oh, I was there with you back when, right back then. And so that was a really great feeling. Yeah, yeah. So can you uh, just shed some light on, uh, like, was it like family and friends, like, you know, checking out photos of the family vacation that transitioned into that audience? Or Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it was, um, you know, a lot of it was uh, at that time of my social media showcasing, yeah, family and friends showcasing, uh, you know, uh, me at college, you know, life of a college student. And then transition to the life of a, you know, corporate, you know, uh, a person. And so it was, it was a lot of that pieces of content. And then as I sl- started to transition away from that, there were friends that were like, what is that? Like, why are you posting that? Because they didn't understand the next phase I was going into. And you'll have people like that, right? There are people that won't understand the vision that you were given, right? That you were granted. And so they're going to question you and you're going to feel like, oh, well, should I be doing this? And that's when I think that you should try to find different environments of people that are more like-minded as you, you know, you should try to lean into the things that are very unconventional that keeps reoccurring themselves in, in your, in your life and in, in your spirit. And so I think that as I started to get away from that, eventually my friends and my audience caught up. But in the beginning, everyone's questioning you like, why are you posting this or what is that about? But yeah, you definitely get a lot of that. Yeah. And I think you touched on something really important there too. And like, we talk a lot about thought leadership. Uh, and I think the reality of it is there is more of an audience, especially when you're starting with like the friends and family of like, I, I almost want to call it thought followership yeah. in a way. It's like, but it's really, it's just building in front of people. Like you said, yep. learning through the journey. Uh, the reality of it is, is none of us have the answers and like, for sure, none of us have all the answers when we're starting. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We, we don't have, especially too, if you don't come from a family or community of other entrepreneurs, other people who have done something unconventional, um, other people who could mentor you and guide you. um, It's it's really hard. You feel like you're on an island. And, and, And the one thing I love about social media and technology is that it exposes you to other possibilities. And so I think that's what made me dream even bigger because I'm like, wait, this person was able to do it, you know? And so I think that you have to 
try to really create an environment that'll allow you to, to grow, you know, that'll foster growth. Yeah, yes. And that's, that's something really unique to, I think, Kajabi in particular. Like, we are here surrounded by, you yeah. know, piles and piles of other <laughs> entrepreneurs. And that's just something, like, for most of us, it's a very lonely journey. Uh, I know that, like, for me personally, this podcast has been, like, Everything that I thought about my journey personally, that was, I thought it was all unique and I thought I was the only one. <laughs> it's amazing, like how similar these journeys are. So, for anyone who's listening, whether here in person or to the stream later, like I think it's really important to get yourself embedded in a community. You know, just like you were saying there, get around people that are going to help you achieve what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And, and it might look like, Again, investing in a conference, right? It might look like showing up to that virtual, you know, Zoom during your lunch hours, right? In the beginning, it might look, it might look like binging your, you know, podcast that'll get you a little closer to your, but because people really give a lot of value via podcast. And I think that's another, you know, uh, thing that people miss, you know? And so I think that it really starts with the initiation initiative, but there are a lot of free resources. And then you layer with low cost, you know, programs and products and um, conferences that'll get you the community that you need. So I think that that becomes really important as well in your journey. Yes. Well, take us through uh, a little bit of like you're now you're here at Kajabi Hero Live speaking on stage. <laughs> um, you know, you started with very humble beginnings, a uh, college student. Uh, how did the business go through? Like, how did you take it from the, those first few, like I would consider highly successful launches to where you are now? Yeah, it, it was a rocky road because I had no example. So a lot of it, I was trial and error. A lot of it was figuring it out on the fly. Um, a lot of it was looking at and taking time to look at the data and see, wait, this thing really worked and then doing more of that. And so for me, there was a lot of different transitions. Even when I made my first million, I had, I was the only employee. I was the only person working. And <laughs> I was like, I'm never doing this again because making that million, although I did it by myself, I should have hired eight months earlier, yeah. <laughs> you know? like, because it burnt me out after that first year, I thought about not continuing my business. So here I was, I made a million dollars, but I was absolutely burnt out. Wow. And so I was like, maybe I should just stop right here <laughs> because I feel so exhausted because I should have hired eight months earlier. And so for me, I said, you know what, now, if, if I were to redo this again, I need to hire. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start hiring now. So then I went from me to the next year uh, to a team about eight. So I hired eight people that following year to really start relieving some of the, the stress from the customer service, right? I was literally still in the inbox year one answering messages. Yeah. And I would get frustrated and, you know, and it was showing that the emails and I'm like, wait a second, I, I can't be so close to the product anymore. I need to start creating distance so I can focus on other parts of the business. And then we would hit a ceiling every time when it was just me. And I had to realize that in order to grow, you also need to let go of certain things as a business owner. And so I identified these are the key areas that I want to focus on. And these are the other areas that I want to delegate out. Then I had to learn the skill of delegation. And that was trial and error. Hiring and finding a team of people that you like to work with that also complement you and you complement them is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. It's like finding a partner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of the hardest things you'll do. And you have to date a lot of people until you find, oh, okay, this person's really good here. And that person's really good there. And you spend a lot of time, you spend a lot of money. Um, and so that became 
the hard thing, but we, we grew. And then, um, I think that first year, I forgot how many students we served, maybe like, uh, maybe close to a thousand. And then the, the next year we served like a few thousand. And then we've served over like 10,000 students at this point, um, from all over the world, uh, just teaching them how to, you know, really utilize paid advertisement to grow and scale their business. So we were growing the business, starting to hire people. Hiring was, was a challenge. We then had to think about the business model. You know, was I going to be coaching every week in the, the, the program? And it, the answer was no. Well, what does the business model look like now moving forward? Okay, now we had to think about once our community got with the value they came for, they would ask the next question. Okay, how do I scale now? Like, what do I do now? Like, I need advanced strategies. So we're like, well, should we create another product? So now we're looking at not just one signature product. We're looking at a suite of products. How do we grow into a suite of products? And is this the team for that? And so there was a lot of transitions, a lot of building products that um, we learned over the last few years that we hit a million, two million, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right, right. We kept growing and growing, but it also brought different challenges at scale. Serving a thousand people or serving 10 people is different from serving 10,000 people, you know? And so you, you have to build a better product. And so we went just through so many transitions the last few years trying to build a really good business. And, and still you'll always, it's a lifelong journey because there's new things that come out. There's new feedback that you get. There's new, you know, and, and et cetera. One of the biggest drivers of growth for us when I first started the business I thought that, okay, millennials were going to be the biggest audience for running paid ads. I said, you know what? I'm going to target 18 to 24, 18 to 24 year olds. And if I would have did that, I would have went out of business. And here's why. (laughs) When I first started targeting, I targeted and left my targeting broad. So 18 to 65. The biggest driver of sales for us are women 50 and older. The next are women 35 to 45 and the last driver sales are 18 to 24. And so I realized that we started building a big community of women 50 and older. Here's another thing that was the, the, the biggest driver of growth for us was that I started building the curriculum based on the biggest audience size. So I asked the woman that are 50 and older, I was like, if I could do anything better what can I do? They're like, well, the, the fonts are kind of small. And I wish we had like a workbook to go along with the, the the course, you know, like I'm not really good at the online, you know, but like I would love a physical book and, you know, um, the user experience. And and so this is as I'm getting all this input and I'm look, looking for the perfect platform. You know, this is how I stumbled upon Kajabi uh, when I was looking for, OK, how do I create the workbook? And so when I revamped everything based on that audience, that's when we started really accelerating our sales because they were championing and they would take our workbooks with them everywhere they would go and they would show, oh yeah, I'm working on in this, you know, program. And, and so that, that really helped us grow, uh, that usability for our largest audience size. That's what we focused on. Amazing. I gotta, I've gotta go back once again (laughs) because I think this is like one of those pause and reflect moments. Uh, you, you mentioned you made a million dollars and you still like, you felt like potentially giving up. Yes. And I think what's so interesting about that and something that is very unique to the entrepreneurial journey is you are really forced into a motion of, it's almost like the swimmers, uh, philosophy. You are competing with yourself. Yes. And no matter where you're at on that journey, whether you are working on that first dollar 
or dollar several million, you're going to be encountering challenges. You're going to be encountering things that cause you to question your success. So I, I'm hoping maybe you can shed some light. Uh, have you reached the grass is greener on the other <laughs> side now? Or? <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I think that um, you think you know what you want. And you think that things will solve your problem. I grew up in a very poor environment, poor neighborhood. So I thought that, okay, well, if I just make more money, then I will solve my problems. But as I made more money, I had more problems, right? What did they say? More money, more problems. And it's it's different type of problems, right? Like, so now as I hit my first million, people think I'm a millionaire. They think my net worth is a million, but I'm like, no, no, no. My business made a million in sales. Yeah. So I had... People asking me for money, cousins I never oh. heard of asking me for money, you know, family, friends, strangers. And so this was very hard. Now I had to manage, well, how do I deal with people when I have a little bit of money? And and that was extremely hard because I never had a little bit of money. Yeah. And so this, this essentially, to, uh, and the reason why I wanted to end it because I, I was depressed, right? There was no one I could go to. Remember at that time, I didn't have a community yet. I just did this thing that was, I didn't know I would do it in the next 12 months. And I was just trying to figure it out. And so as I was doing this, there were, there was a lot of lessons I learned. Every dollar that I had made from that, that first million, I gave it away because I was trying to maintain relationships. I was like, Oh, don't be mad. Like here's money to pay for your rent. Oh, don't be upset. Like, because that's how people made me feel, you know? And so I had to then reevaluate my friendships. I had to reevaluate my relationships with the people around me. And, and this is, again, when you grow up very poor and you come from a big family and like all these layers, it's, you know, you're supposed to help them, right? You're supposed to, you know, you're almost savior mentality. And, and that's why with, with the business being hard and all my relationships around me deteriorating and I had no one to go to being hard all that culmination, I, I didn't know if it was worth it. Right. I was like, I, I don't know what this solved for me, yeah. you know, like, and, and, and that's, and, and that's why I had a question. Do I want to continue? And if I were to continue, what would it look like being completely different? And so that forced me into the next phase of myself, a boo 2.0 <laughs> of really just like, okay, I have to be this person because if I'm not this person, if, if I don't change, then the person I am is, is not going to exist because this person can't exist in this new environment. I have to set better boundaries, right? I have to have harder conversations. And so I have to have all these layers and protections, you know, for me, because if not, then I, I'm just, I'm just not going to be in existence. And so I, I learned that that was the hardest lesson I learned. And, and not only when my business was doing well, I was, having the worst time of my life personally. And so everyone saw the business success, but I would literally just be sitting in the dark. There were some days I would just be in a corner, just like in the dark. And I just go to bed in the dark in the corner, like, and then I'd get up and I'd, I'd be in the office. Cause I was too afraid to like go home or too afraid to go back to my neighborhood or too afraid. Like these are things that like are really realities. And, and I had to figure out first internally how to deal with it before I took a step out in public and, and dealt with people again. 
I think that uh, really segues well into uh, one thing that I'm convinced of after I don't know exactly what number interview this is, but we're somewhere <laughs> like we're getting close to 100 uh, podcasts out there. And wow. like the two key factors that I see um, throughout every interview that I have conducted, uh, one, number one, you have to start, you know, yes. you're never going to go anywhere until you start the mm-hmm. process. But the second is perseverance. Um, can you share any like obviously? There was perseverance involved with your journey. Uh, what tips do you have? How did you continue to keep pushing through, you know, regardless of what factors you encountered? Yeah, I think the biggest, uh, you know, some of the things I learned, uh, one is you really have to find a community. I know we kept we keep yeah. saying that, but it's, it's really important to hear different voices at different levels and stages of life. Um, you know, because some of the things you may be experiencing, your, your friends may not get the people that currently are in present and in front of you may not really understand. And so you, you, you need that for sure. The second thing was journaling. Journaling really helped me because it was the first conversation I had with myself before I had it with others. I had to really get my thoughts and, and organized way and, and how I felt about certain things. Um, because it was really hard for me to speak it if I didn't really understand what was happening within me. Um, the third thing was I, I really had to start investing in, in my own personal development. I had to find a coach, right? I had to start exploring therapists, right? I had to look at performance coaches, right? I had to look at uh, educational uh, components um, and so or retreats. And so these are things that I, I started looking at because I saw a vision of who I could be and nothing that I, I had, none of the equipment, none of the tools I had in my bag currently was g- going to get me there. You know, I needed new equipment. I needed new tools and resources. And so that was really taking that self inventory of myself and being honest with myself. Like these are the things I, I struggle and these are the things I really need to, to, to learn as well. And so those are like the, the three big things that, you know, cost nothing to start, you know, cost zero dollars uh, to start and exploring those areas. And so I think those are the things I lean into. And then other additional things, I, l- I started listening to different podcast episodes from Guy Raz, how I built this, right? Like, you know, just started getting inspiration and stories from other people. And one of the common theme was everyone's struggling, right? Like everyone's figuring it out. It doesn't matter if they made a million, if they made a thousand dollars, if they, you know, everyone's going through their own journey. And a lot of it is them versus them. It's you versus you. You, yeah. y- you know, they're trying to get out their own way. And it's so hard because they're, they're coded one way. And, and you're trying to be, you know, coded a different way. And so I started listening because if they couldn't be my mentor right away, then they could be my mentor from a distance, right? When they were talking, it was as if they were talking to me. You know, when I was listening to those podcast episodes or there's YouTube, you know, like that's how, or reading uh, different uh, books. So that's how I, I consumed the content. And then I, I think that that's, those are the things early on that, that really helped me. Yeah. Well, I think that this is let let's end this on a high note. Um, uh, again, like uh, we've talked about a lot of themes. Uh, I just want to know from you, uh, uh, share a little bit of like what this means to you, uh, where you're at today. You know what came as a result of the persistence that you put into carrying on with this journey. Yeah, I think for me, and 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 um, I, I was thinking about that recently because at the beginning of the month, I was uh, invited to be the commencement speaker at Penn State, and so I'm talking to college students who I sat in their seat, <laughs> and I was the, the you know youngest commencement speaker invited, so I, I'm there, and, and I'm trying to think like 
and as I was reflecting, I was like, wow, I have done a lot. You know, like when you're someone who is like always building, like sometimes it's hard for you to reflect. And I was like, okay, I guess I have done a lot. Cause I was trying to figure out, well, what do I tell them? Like, why do they even invite me? <laughs> and I was like, okay, maybe I do have things to share. Maybe I do have like, uh, things that, uh, that to take, uh, that they could take away. And I, I think for me, it was just letting them know that, you know, two things. One, you'll go out into the world. And you'll see people doing things that are less qualified and you'll ask, well, how do they get those positions? And one of the things I see every day is that people that are less talented doing amazing things and the people that are more talented are afraid to try. And one of my message to them was, hey, no matter where you are, like, don't be afraid to try. There's nothing, you know, you that is wrong with trying and not succeeding you learn and and someone said well won't i fail and i'm like do you is the opposite of success failure is it, or is it learning yeah. now you know okay this is what i don't want to do as a career this is what i don't want as a job position you know it's better to find out what you don't want to do because it literally leads you to the exact thing that's in alignment with your purpose and what you want to do and so that was my biggest message for them was you know make a list, find out all the things you don't want to do instead of make a list and write the things you do. No, no, no. Do all the things you, you know, and, and find out if you don't want to do them and it'll literally lead you to the thing that you want to do. It's just like the classic, I think it's Edison quote. Yes. Of, <laughs> I found a thousand ways yes. not to create a light bulb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Abu, thank you so much for taking your time uh, out of this live event, both to speak on stage, but also join us here on the podcast. Uh, I hope that, as you mentioned, this is a inspirational moment for one of our listeners now listening to you in the same way that you <laughs> once listened to other podcasters right, right, right. as an inspiration for your journey. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, just answer your earlier question. Like currently, again, I run, uh, the power your launch, uh, uh, university, which is uh, different product suites from paid advertising. Uh, we, we teach people how to accelerate their business and all that could be found in poweryourlaunch.com. And my personal Instagram, I post a lot of my journey. I talk about a lot of mental health because I think it's really important. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and I'm sure you guys will link this all in the show notes, but yeah. at Abu Fofana, that's A-B-U-F-O-F-A-N-A-H. And, um, you know, I, you know, I, I really enjoy being in a Kajabi community. Uh, you know, since using the product, uh, it's, it's really been beneficial for my community, you know, help them navigate around as well. And as I've been here at this conference, I'm hearing a lot of the new features y'all getting ready to release. So I'm excited to, to, to try that out. But I think more importantly, as I look through like the speakers and I look through the people here is that it's really diverse, you know, not only in region, but also the type of stories that people have been sharing on stage. And that's one of the things I really, really appreciate, because oftentimes when I come to different conferences, it's literally the same speakers, you know, saying the same things. And that could get really frustrating. So I love that there are a lot of women speakers here, a lot of diverse backgrounds and regions. And so uh, that's what makes for, you know, really great uh, a ground to learn new things, you know, to um, experience new um, um, learn, uh, experience new things. And, and just it, it brings out the best in you when when you have completely different perspectives and things that you would have thought about. So thank you, Kajabi, for having me. And, and, and thank you for having me on this podcast. Uh, it really does mean a lot. And, and so I'm really appreciative. 
I love it. And I don't have to ask you my last question of where do they find you? Cause you already <laughs> yes. told them we of course have that in the show notes for everyone. Um, but I think with that said, we should get back into the show. Yes. Check out what's going on <laughs> on stage. Um, thank you again. Thank you for all of our listeners for tuning into this. Uh, really, I think a special occasion because I actually get to, as I say goodbye, shake your hand <laughs> and thank you. Um, uh, with that said, though, I will. You mentioned you had a podcast earlier. Yes, My- yes. So it's the it's called Powered AF. Okay. And um, we really talk about imposter syndrome and entrepreneur journey. And um, uh, AF is also my initial, but it was a very great play on words, you know. <laughs> I love it. So it's powered AF, and you know we're we're everywhere: Apple, Spotify, etc. So you could always uh, go there or go to poweredaf.com and and check us out. Yeah, give us a listen. Right on. Well, I will give my usual call to action at this point <laughs> when I have another podcaster on. Rather than asking our listeners to leave us a review, I'll ask you to go listen to a booze podcast, leave him a review, leave a comment, like podcasting is very rare that we're actually sitting in front of a bunch of people podcasting. Yes. So we love to hear from you. Go leave a Boo review. Um, check them out on Instagram. Um, with that said, that is all we have for you today. Um, we will look forward to hearing our not hearing. Uh, this is, <laughs> is going to be the live uncut version. I guess yes. it goes out. <laughs> we look forward to you hearing more uh, from our Kajabi Live Hero speaker set um, next week on the Kajabi Edge podcast.